I'm Roman Johnson, and this is the Creative Sheep Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast. We are so glad that you're listening. This is the show where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire church leaders to get better. And this is actually a part two podcast of of one we did last month with Whit George from Church on the Move. He's the executive pastor of Church on the Move. And if you've not listened to part one, stop right now, pause this one and go listen to part one because it's just full of amazing content on creativity, talks about the creative process. Uh, One of the things I love that he talked about that I just want to recap a little bit, um, he talked about looking at all the things you do, you know, breaking, breaking your job down into different tasks and picking one of those tasks and uh, kind of doing a little mind exercise where you, you tell yourself, what if I only did this task, this tiny little task? What if this is all I did all week? What would you do differently? He used the illustration of, uh, of running lyrics in a, a worship environment. He says, if you only ran lyrics, if that was all you did for two weeks, what would you change about it? What would you do differently? What would you tweak? And uh, how much research would you put into the best way to run those lyrics? I think it's just a great exercise for, for all of us to, um, to do, to look at our job and, and just say, what if I only did this little aspect? What would I change? Uh, because a lot of us can get into ruts in uh, doing the same thing over and over just because it's always done that way. And uh, that's something I really enjoyed from, from the last half of the podcast. Um, Before we get to the second half, I want to take a minute and tell you about our website. If you haven't been to it, it's thecreativesheep.com. We sell sermon illustrations. We sell um, video content for your service, basically. And so definitely get on there and check that out right now, actually. It's very exciting. Are you ready for this? Right now, we have 30% off of all of our Easter stuff. So we have loads of Easter content on our website. And right now, it's all 30% off. So definitely go check that out right now. Um, but uh, I don't want to spend too much time here up front because I want to go ahead and get to our interview. So here is part two of our interview with Pastor Whit George. In an interview a while back, you said the creative director needs to know what they want. Yeah. What does that look like to you? Well, I mean, if you're a leader, basically this is leadership 101. So, and, and, and I think this is, this is Bill Hybels. I think this is so good. Basically, he, he boiled it down to the simplest possible terms. A leader says, we're here, and we need to go there. So if you don't know where there is or what there is, you can't lead and you don't need to lead. So if you're going to be a creative director, that's a leadership position. And basically what that means to me is you need to know, know where there is. And, and there, it doesn't have to be so 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 specific. It may just be... We need to be, okay, so here's a great there, for instance, in a church context might be, you might say, you know, our music is no good right now. I don't think our music is where it needs to be, or I think it's flat energy-wise. There for us is, I want us to be younger and fresher in our musical approach, and I want it to be really good. Well, that might be a there. Now, over time, I mean, through that process, you either better know some specifics about there or you need to have somebody on your team who knows those specifics that you've hired or you can work with that can kind of translate what you're trying to say into more concrete, specific terms. But you have to know what there is, and you have to be able to describe it. And 
I don't know. That, I think that's probably the first and most basic component of leadership of any kind, creative or otherwise, has to do with knowing what you want. And I don't know. I think a lot of people, my wife has trouble making decisions. That's not gonna, that means she probably doesn't need to be the person who stands up in front of the crowd going, okay, guys, here's where we're going. Because she's going to be like, I don't know. We could go here. We could go here. We could go here. We could go here. What do you guys think? That's not leading. Leading is to say, okay, I've heard what you had to say. We need to go there. This is where we got to go. And so to me, it's just kind of knowing what you're after in any kind of given situation. Um, I've heard you say before that know it, you need to know what you're good at and what you're not good at and mm. play to where you're good. Um, is there anything you'd say here at Church on the Move, we are not good at that? Oh, man. Yeah, we've not been good at... I guess, is there a specific context you want to know? There's a lot of things we're not good at. <laughs> uh, let's, let's just start in regards to like what most people would consider creativity. So planning the service, types of comedy maybe, songs that we will... Like I've heard you say before, um, especially here in Tulsa, like country music is such a big deal. Yeah. But you refuse to do I it. I don't like it. Yeah, so I don't <laughs> want to do it. <laughs> I, yeah, because I think you got to be true to yourself in that regard. I mean, you know, we've always wanted to do something. I mean, this is like really trivial, but it's kind of a thing for us. I'd love to, I wish we had a, you know, a gospel choir that we were good at, but we just don't have that. And we're not going to be, we're, I mean, I don't know. That's a small thing. I'm trying to think of things we're not good at. I don't know. I, I really, I just don't spend a lot of time focusing on it. What I look at is like, can we do it? Can we do what we're going to do really well? So if it's a comedy thing, you know, there's things we've been inspired by in the past. This is what I would say be careful of if you're a church, or really anybody in particular. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you see something on YouTube or on television, and it just blows you away, and you're like, that's fantastic. It, you have to be careful that you don't get lulled into thinking you can do it just because the people who did it made it look so easy. And that's the thing about people who are really good at what they do is they have a tendency to make things look really easy. And so we watch comedic pieces and we go, oh, I love that. We'll do the same thing, only we don't have somebody who can act like they do. And so one of the things we're always asking ourselves is just, do we have the people to pull this off? Like, not just the man hours, do we actually possess the skill to do this? Can we sing the song, maybe not as good as Adele, but can we get close? How close? you know, if we're going to do one of her tunes, just so that we don't butcher it. Or let's say we have a song that we want to do that we don't, you know, that we don't have somebody who can sing. Like, for instance, we've done some Annie Lennox songs before. I love Annie Lennox. We have no female who can sing like Annie Lennox. Not many in the world do. So then it's kind of like, okay, well, then let's not try to do it like Annie Lennox would do it. Let's do Annie Lennox in our own way. Find a way that it works. So you have to be careful. It's the... I, I, I tell our team this a lot. It's just, you know, let's not get suckered into trying to do in our spare time what other people have devoted their lives to, which just simply means it's arrogant to think that I could do kind of sort of in my part time what you have spent a lifetime working towards, you know, and by that I just mean people we see on television or whatever. You know, like Jimmy Fallon's a great example of just you watch his show and there's an ease in what he does and he's hilarious and all this and you're like, yeah, be careful. Because he has the environment, the situation, the reputation, and the experience to do what he's doing. And to think that you could just recreate that 
because you wanted to is a bit naive. So you have to kind of go into all those situations thinking like, do we, can we do this? Do we? So there's a million things we've just said, yeah, we can't do that. We're not good at it. We, we can't pull that off. I can't remember tons of them specifically, but yeah. Gotcha. Um, I know you're opposed to the idea of everything is awesome. Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, well, to me, it's just a matter of focus. Uh, you can only focus on so much, you know, at a time. And if everything is awesome or whatever, everything is important, nothing is important. That's another quote. Everything is awesome, nothing is awesome. Um, The way, the reason I said that was just in the context of the church, I think that there's, I don't know, the church I, the churches I grew up in, we weren't, I won't say we weren't excited about much, but there wasn't a sense of, I don't know, a brand about the church. I think branding, the concept of branding, has only recently kind of hit the church. Mm-hmm. And churches are starting to understand what branding is and messaging and all that kind of stuff. And so I think what you're seeing happen is churches an effort to kind of promote a positive brand and positive messaging. They're saying things about all their events that are just, in my opinion, way overboard, or they're calling everything awesome, to put it concretely. So basically what I have said was that, look, if we, if everything is awesome, then nothing is. In other words, you're just, you know, everything becomes like a plateau. If awesome is the standard, then how do you ever know when anything is above average? So what I you know, I love the quote from The Incredibles. Whenever um, the the Dash says to his mother, you know, and she says you're unique, you know, and he says, yeah, everybody's unique, or you know, whatever. It's just another way of saying we're all the same, mm-hmm. and that's the same idea here. So the idea, what we're looking for is peaks and valleys. The thing I've, I've I've said to our team is just you can't have peaks without valleys. If you only have peaks, then what you have is a plateau. So you have to have down so you can have up. Not everything can be awesome or else nothing is awesome. Because awesome by definition means it's better than everything else. You can't have better if everything is better. So it's really a pretty simple concept, and I don't even think it's anything that is something that I mean, I'm quite certain I didn't invent. And it's just it's like the laws of nature. If everything is is big, nothing is big. If everything is small, nothing is small. Everything is in comparison to everything else. So you have to be careful how you speak and how you talk whenever you're doing promotion. So we're just careful about saying, you know, when we say something is awesome, we want it to truly be awesome. It's like make those words count. Don't just throw them out there just because. Is it something we see a lot, especially now with social media? Yeah. Pastors always, oh, this is going to be the best service ever. Don't Over the top positive. Uh, don't miss this week. Don't miss this week. Everything is a can't miss. Yeah. I just stopped buying it a long time ago. I was like, yeah, I, you know, I'm not a, I just don't believe it anymore. Yeah. And I'm, I'm more interested in maintaining credibility with our audience than I am hyping them up. That's good. Um, to, just to switch gears just a little bit. So mm-hmm. prior to you moving into the executive pastor position, you were the arts director, which means you had a team of people working for you. You didn't really do the hands, you didn't edit videos, you didn't play guitar for worship, or at least not at this point. Um, you more so just oversaw the team and kind of by nature, creatives can be hard to wrangle and, mm-hmm. and 
push in a, in, a, in a direction and hit deadlines and things like that? What were some things that you found that actually worked in doing that? I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I Honestly, I don't know if I was very good at this. Um, other than I think by sheer force of desire and maybe personality, whatever you'd want to say, I know how to sell people on things and say, hey, this is going to be exciting. I, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about wrangling or motivating anybody. I just thought, I don't know, personally, I was excited about everything we were doing for the most part, and maybe my excitement was contagious. I can say that I didn't do the best job of motivating the people that I did have. And in hindsight, looking back and having conversations that I've had over the last few months with our team, I realized that I fell short in my appreciation of them and um, and in my motivation of them and probably care for them. And it wasn't that I didn't care about them as individuals. I just didn't communicate it very well. And I, I wished I would have done a better job of that. I think would have probably made that easier. That said, I think God was just really gracious to me and that the people that I worked with were pretty easy to, for me to work with. I didn't have any diva personalities or whatever. Um, and I was just driven enough to kind of keep the thing moving. I think maybe one of the things that I would say that kind of speaks to this would just be um, I live and lead in a perpetual state of dissatisfaction. So the, the running joke for me is that a compliment from me is, is when I tell you that didn't, that wasn't bad. You know, good, that was, that was not bad. Is <laughs> about, I sometimes get really positive, but a lot of the time it's like, that's not bad. We could do this better. And that's just how I live. Some people feel like what a negative way to live your life. I'm a happy person. I'm very satisfied with my life. I love it. But I, I love making things better. I'm, I, I'm a total, I love hearing when things are broken at our church because it's just, just another thing I get to work on. It doesn't burden me, it excites me. So I live in that perpetual state of dissatisfaction about how things can always be better. So that keeps you moving. It's like, man, the list just never stops. It does, it's a little demotivating for some folks, but, and I wish I would have done a better job there, but at any rate, you know, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I guess I'm living and learning how to how to lead better in that way. That's interesting. I wasn't expecting that, honestly. Um, what? Uh, so your roles change now. What is a, What does a typical day typical day look like for you now? Or is there such a thing? Yeah, I have a little bit of a rhythm that I work in. Uh, it depends on the day. I think that leadership is about uh, empowering other people. So I'm just I'm basically trying to figure out how I, and, I and, and part of what you're asking, my typical day, it's changing still because I'm, I'm trying to figure out this new position and how I'm going to do it. But I'm, I'm trying to find how can I leverage what I bring to the table, my influence, my power, whatever that I have here at the church, my authority is probably a better word. How can I leverage that on behalf of the people that work for me to make what they do better? And so sometimes that's calling a meeting. Sometimes that's giving someone more power, more authority to handle a certain situation. Sometimes it's teaching a group of people. Mondays, basically, I meet with our leadership team. Tuesday, I meet with, uh, that's not all day, but I'll meet with our, my leadership team on Monday, and then we'll do 
another, that does not include my dad, by the way. Uh, and then I might have other meetings, just whatever kind of comes up on Monday. Tuesdays, more meetings, um, meeting with my dad in the all morning. And then the afternoon is just kind of come what may. Wednesday and Thursday are just kind of open days for me. Just kind of depends on what's going on in the week. So if I'm speaking like I am this weekend, then Wednesday, Thursday will be... Well, Wednesday is all staff, so we meet with our entire staff on Wednesday. But past that basically is uh, um, just kind of whatever I need to focus on. So if I'm speaking, then I'm kind of working towards a weekend message or whatever that I, that I have to do that week. With that, then, you're writing a message. Mm-hmm. What's your approach? Like, how do you... Um, this is a big question, I realize. Yeah. But what... If it's possible to kind of boil it down to... Well, how do you approach writing your messages? Then I've approached it from every which way I could possibly think of. For the last... I started speaking in 2004, 2005. So I've been doing it for 10 years now. Wow, I hadn't thought about that. Been speaking for about 10 years... And I, when I first got into this, I didn't know how to do it. No one told me how much I really, I was really glad for. It allowed me to kind of find my own way, which I needed to do. I tried every method that I heard about. I would try it. Um, I just wanted to see which process worked for me. So I tried writing full manuscripts, tried preaching from full manuscripts, tried outlines, tried all kinds of things. Now I'm to the place where I basically have adopted Andy Stanley's model because I think it works the best for me. I'm in a place now where the prep process is, um, obviously there's the beginning, which is just figuring out what the heck you're going to talk about, which sometimes is the hardest thing. Two, um, kind of is developing the angle at which I want to talk about this from. And to me, that's one of the most important aspects of, a, of preaching is the angle So, and the angle, here's what I mean by the angle. The angle is just, why do I care about what I'm going to ask you to to do today? I just spend a long time trying to figure out what is it that I can say to people that makes them want to know what I'm about to tell them. That's what I think about a lot. So I spend a long time just coming up with that angle. Once I have the angle... The angle, usually the angle and the, and the scripture of the main text are kind of tied up together somehow. I'll find those two things at the same time. And then uh, over the course of weeks, because I usually know weeks, and I just start thinking about my messages weeks in advance, I will do what I did for all my other creative process, which is just, to, I don't spend every waking minute, but when I have free time, if I'm driving, so like this week, I'm speaking this weekend, driving to and from lunch, I'm actually preaching in my own mind, trying on different approaches, just because when I'm driving, I can, I can, I can free flow speak, and I'll find angles that just come to me when I'm free flow speaking, some that are good, some that are bad, and I'll try to remember what those are, jot those things down. I'll do that over and over in my mind when I'm driving in the shower. Basically, I use all that time to kind of rehearse my messages, so to speak, and then later on towards the later part of the week, so as I get to probably Wednesday of this week, I will actually start to try to put down uh, on paper kind of what I'm thinking, maybe start to rough outline. I, I don't I don't even know how outlines work. Like I don't even, I don't know, you know, Roman numeral number one. I don't do any of that. I, I don't even know how, I don't even know the proper format for that kind of thing. 
So I'll just sort of start writing down thoughts. Uh, and then, uh, and then when I do, cause I don't use notes anymore. Um, I, th- this was, I think one of the best moves I ever made was to stop using notes. For me, it works really well. Um, I, I use the screen like Andy does, and I, I, the screen is my notes. So what I do is I write down all of my, when I start making the slides for my presentation or whatever, I, I use in the presenter's margins that they give you on that, there's a presenter part, I just write down, I go through every slide that I have and I write down everything I can think of about that particular slide. Like, what do I want to say? And I'll do that over the course of a couple of days. And that's where the actual structure of the message starts to kind of take place. Like, I know, okay, I'll start, I'll rearrange slides, I'll move them around. It's almost like, you know, doing it on note cards, you could do it that way too. I just, I like to do it in Keynote. So I'll I'll design all my own slides, which is a little bit maybe unique for me because I have that graphic design background. So I'll use that and I'll arrange them all, write all of my notes down in the presenter's notes part of it. And then the very last thing on Saturday, uh, before I speak, I'll come in, I'll go over all those notes again, I'll write down anything that kind of pops into my mind that maybe I've thought of between Friday and Saturday, last minute kind of stuff. And then I'll print it all off. I will have in my hand a set of slides and the notes that accompany those slides. I will carry them with me as I go down to the stage or whatever. And I'll have those with me. I'll have them with me in the service before I will look them over, look them over. And then when when I'm supposed to speak, I walk up, I leave those notes there. I walk up on the stage and then just go. So I know like the, 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 the slides on the screen are my cues for what to say. So I've just kind of put them together. So that the slides are my notes. But I found I'm just better without them because when I have my notes, I find that I get distracted looking down, reading what I wrote down there, trying to find my place. Almost trying to recite a script. I do. That's exactly right. I I became a lot more. I was reciting a lot more and I hated that. And so I was like, I don't like this. So I just said, okay, let's just give it a try. Let's see what happens if I have nothing. And I've never looked back. It's been the best decision. So if you I mean, if you want to kind of know how I like there's so much more to the process than that. But if you want to know what it is, basically just read Andy's book, Communicating for Change, because that is, in my opinion, the Bible of communication. That's how I do it. It's a great book. And yeah. Not to try to focus on the negatives here, do you ever walk off stage on the first or second service here and just think, <laughs> that was just crap? Oh, yeah, almost every time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's happening less for me lately. I had a friend tell me uh, in Mexico this last summer, he said, I forget who it was, maybe it was Dwight Moody or Deal Moody. No, I think it's Deal Moody. Maybe. I don't know. Somebody, might have been Moody, said um, that you're not very good as a preacher until you've preached at least 300 times. I was like, wow, I think I'm, I think I've, I'm getting close to 300. Like I find, I think like all the different times I spoke, I think I've got to be getting close. I've never, I've never added it up, but I just a little bit of quick math and I thought, I think over 10 years, I bet you I've done about 300, not different sermons, but different times of preaching, multiple services for me would count. So I'm, I would be close to, I think, to 300 there. And I feel like I'm just now, I had the same feeling with graphic design. I remember when I became a graphic designer or started doing graphic design, it took me about five years before I felt like I could say I was a professional. 
I feel the same way as a preacher. It's like it's taken me all this time where I finally feel like I only just now, after 10 years, know I know what I'm doing a little bit now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Got a long way to go then. It's intimidating. Um, yeah. So it's kind of similar then to Malcolm Gladwell's whole 10,000 hours yeah, pretty principle. Much. Mm-hmm. Just same thing over here. Good grief. Um, yeah, that's scary. Just in that same vein, how long would you say, I know you, you mentioned a few different points here in preparing for a message, but like, how long would you say it takes you, if you could put a number of hours on it, how long does it take you to prepare? It's so hard because I, I never run the clock on the hours that I spend when I'm not doing anything else. By that I mean when I'm in the shower, I just don't know how many times I do that. I, I could tell you that this particular series, so I've got about a three-week series, gosh, it would be so hard to say that I'm about to do, and I started thinking about this series the moment I finished the last series that I did, at the which was eight weeks ago, maybe? Mm-hmm. So I'll start thinking, and basically it's just, uh, ugh, what, do I, what am I going to talk about? What do I feel like, you know, God, what is it that you want me to say? And so eventually a, a thought will pop into my head. Once that happens and I know, kind of, okay, I think that's the direction, I, usually it's a, I think, and the first step in the process is for me to get it in front of other people and go, hey, this is what I was thinking. And I'll know by whether how they respond, whether or not there's any resonance with them. If they resonate with the idea, it's like, okay, I think I have something here. So like I'm speaking in February of next year, and I kind of know what I'm talking about already. And I'm, and I'm researching it and thinking it through and just letting it simmer. And I heard Rob Bell talk about that years ago, regardless of, you know, where Rob Bell's at theologically, I think there can be no doubt made that he's a you know, uh, he's an amazing communicator, and he talked just about letting things simmer, and I think that's that's what I I try to incorporate. So it would be so hard for me to say, you know, like actually sitting down in my office, like right now, and just you know getting out my moleskin and journaling or whatever. I bet I have in this message right now, this first message. I bet I have an hour or two, maybe three hours in that, just sitting in here like dedicated work. It's not that much. But if you were to add in all the other time, I don't know, man. It's not going to be like hundreds of hours. It might be 20, 30 hours probably all told if you put it all together by the time I'm done with it all. Would you say if you have top three books of all time? (laughs) Oh, man. Top three books of all time, I suppose you mean uh, nonfiction books. Any book. anything. Oh, gosh, I don't know. I've never ranked my books. Um, usually I'm most uh, excited about what I'm reading most recently. Right. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> so I, 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 I would say, you know, Creativity, Inc. Was a, was, a, was a great book. I should probably read it again. Um, gosh, what would be... There's so many books. It w- <sighs> okay, let's just let's let's yeah, narrow it in a little say, bit. Let's narrow it in a little say. bit. Let's go with okay, three three recent books that are really standing out to you. Okay, that's a lot easier. Thank you. Um, Creativity Inc. was a great book. Um, just for where we're at right now as a church, The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni has been a big, just a big help to me um, as we're kind of working on what we're doing organizationally. Um, let's see, what other books have I, 
Gosh, I'll just throw this in there. I mean, I'll give you I'll give you two more that are just theological books that I really have enjoyed though, but they're big for me. It was uh, Proverbs uh, by Ray Ortland Jr. That's a phenomenal commentary on the book of Proverbs. And then Jesus the King by Tim Keller is my favorite Keller book. Uh, those books have, I don't know, had a big impact on on the way I see the world. So those would be probably the four books that have impacted me the most in the, recently. Um, to jump back to something you said just a second ago about, um, like when you start prepping for your message, I was going to ask you a second ago, uh, when you start prepping for your message, you come in and you have a team that you kind of bounce the ideas off of. What would you say to a pastor, though, that they don't have that? They're kind of flying solo. Well, you know somebody. Everybody knows somebody. You got to, I mean, surely you have a spouse or a friend. If you have no, I mean, if you have no, if you're not married, I get it. But if you have no friends, then you maybe have some bigger problems than working on your messages. So there's some, I mean, everybody has a friend. And I would just find, I've bounced message ideas off friends before. If I just had a group of volunteers, friends, that I was like, hey, would you be willing to go to lunch with me, you know, this week so I could just talk through a little bit of my message. Again, I'm not looking for them to tell me what to say. I really don't need that. What I need is to see their reaction, to give me a little feedback. What I'll usually ask is just like, where did it stick? Did it, did you, is this a topic that you feel? And if they're like, yeah, yeah, man, especially this, when you said that, that really got me. Okay, okay. That helps me kind of go, okay, then I need to kind of dive a little deeper right there. Sometimes they don't have to say anything. I can just see it in their faces. When you start talking about a particular topic, everybody's heads start nodding and they're like, wow, yeah. And you can just tell, okay, this is really resonating. And people, um, other times I'll just get with a group of people and say, how does this, you know, I'll pitch what I'm talking about, time management, whatever. How does this affect you? Where do you struggle with this? What I'm looking for there is um, examples of how people deal with this. Um, I've noticed that the best communicators, at least, like Andy, I think, is absolutely brilliant at this. If you ever listen to Andy Stanley speak, and I have listened to him, I don't know, hundreds of times, you you start to see really quickly how he's he's so good at at creating scenarios that are fictional scenarios that feel so real like he'll describe someone's life that is not an example so it's interesting like you, you know you take like Joyce Meyer as a communicator and Andy Stanley as a communicator so different Joyce tells all kinds of stories about herself mm-hmm. Andy, if you listen to Andy, actually rarely tells personal stories. He's not that personal with what he says. Hmm. But yet, both of them are highly relatable communicators, have huge audiences, and are very effective at what they do. I love, I'm totally comfortable sharing stories about myself, and I'm not saying that Andy is not comfortable with that. I'm just saying if you notice, he doesn't do it all that often. He may say, like if he's talking about, money, he may describe several situations that would fit, uh, that would be like potential or hypothetical situations that you might face in your life, you know, from the way that you feel. You know, I remember one time he was describing, I forget what sermon it was in, but he was describing how someone, you're a husband and you drive home and you're, you're so unhappy with what's happening in your life that you drive home 
and you sit in your garage and you don't go in and you don't want to go in because you know kind of what's going to happen once you go in the door and just what's going to hit you. And it's like, and I thought, wow, that there is a real moment rather than just saying, oh, you're really frustrated with your life and you and your wife fight all the time. But it's describing it in detail, like this situation of sitting in your garage. And I, you know, don't struggle exactly with that kind of thing, but I've been there before. And I can envision what that's like and how that would feel or how that does feel. And you're like, wow. And, and So I sometimes just r- run my ideas past people and ask them how they experience it so that they give me some of those things. And they'll talk about, like, I did a deal on time management and one lady just said... You know, I have to do, um, I have to take care of the kids, pick up the kids, clean the house, make dinner, and all of this. And on top of that, at the end of the day, I have to find time to spend time with God. And I was like, wow, she's a working mother. She has her job. All this stuff then goes home, has to take care. And it's like, okay, I use that. I just wrote down everything she said. And I used it in in that sermon series that I did. It was called Balancing Act that I just, I leveraged that comment. And there was another comment about sometimes it feels like you're not even in control of your own life. I wrote that down. It's like, oh, wow. I wouldn't have thought to say it that way, but I totally get it. Maybe if you're not the most empathetic person, which I'm not, it helps to then find, hear it from other people and go, oh, that's how you're feeling. Oh, that's how that hits you. Because I, I just have a tendency, I think all of us have this in some ways, we have a tendency just to see the world through our point of view only. And I like to see it from as many points of view because I'm talking to a varied audience. I want to get as many people um, as I can. So we'll just wrap up with this. One album that's that's really <laughs> moving you right now. One album. What am I listening to? Oh, probably, probably the most uh, recent album that I've actually really enjoyed. And I don't listen to albums as much as I used to anymore just – because I don't find a good one all the way through, so you just find your songs, and it's easier to listen to songs than ever before. But when you do find an album, it's a pretty cool thing. I would say uh, Beck's album, uh, I want to say Sea Change, but that's this previous album. Whatever Beck's most recent album is, uh, Mor- Morning Phase, unbelievable. I love that album. Uh, that's really phenomenal. Gotcha. People want to get in touch with you. How can they do it? Yeah, you can email me at wit at churchonthemove.com. Uh, let's see, how else? You can get me on Twitter at Whitney George, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y-G-E-O-R-G-E, no spaces, Whitney George. Uh, that's Twitter. Um, yeah, that's probably the two best ways to get a hold of me, email and and, uh, and Twitter. Awesome. Thanks so much. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you, Pastor Whit, for coming on our podcast. That was some phenomenal content. Thank you so much for for sharing your insights. Uh, And thank you to you, the listener, for listening, because if you weren't listening, we'd be doing this for no reason. So we really, really appreciate you. I want to let you know about something uh, very, very cool, pretty exciting. Uh, I'm pumped about this. We have Creative Sheep stickers. Now, these aren't your, you know, run-of-the-mill, average, glossy-coated you know, plastic stickers. Okay, these are high quality stickers. All right, and if you want one, we'll give you one. All you have to do is go on our website, thecreativesheep.com, and uh, email us on the contact page, put in your address, and let us know you want a sticker, and we'll send you one. Or you could just hit us up on Twitter or Instagram, at creative underscore sheep, 
is our username, so you can just find us on there and uh, shoot us a message or a tweet, and we'll send you a sticker via the postal service. So uh, that's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, definitely do that if you want one of our stickers. Well, that about wraps it up. Uh, thanks for listening to this month's episode of the Creative Sheet Podcast. Next month, keep a lookout for Joe McGee. He's going to be coming on the podcast. Uh, you definitely don't want to miss that. So keep it locked. From myself, Roman Johnson, Jared Hogue, and the rest of the Creative Sheep crew, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you.